We're in John chapter 5. We've just experienced Jesus working a miracle on a Sabbath day and giving the man he healed directions to pick up his mat and go. Which is working on the Sabbath day. Which is a no-no. And they're mad at him. Specifically, the, the Jews, the Jewish leadership, are mad at him. Picking it up in uh, chapter 5, verse 16. And so, because he did this sort of thing on the Sabbath, the Jews began to persecute Jesus. But he had an answer for them. My father is at work even till now, and so I am at work too. For this reason, the Jews sought to all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, worse still, he was speaking of God as his own father, thus making himself God's equal. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and he's blaming God, as he will in a moment, even more so. He's blaming God for working on the Sabbath day. This was Jesus' answer. 19, verse 19 of chapter 5. This was Jesus' answer. I solemnly assure you, the Son cannot do a thing by himself, only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever he does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son, and everything that he does, he shows him. Yes, much to your surprise, he will show him even greater works than these. Yes, I healed on the Sabbath day. Yes, I told a man to get up and take his mat and go. And I did it because that's what the Father told me to do. That's what I see the Father doing. But just wait. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing. You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Indeed, just as the Father raises the dead and grants life, so also the Son grants life to those whom he wishes. Wow. I mean, we thought healing was big stuff. But this is resurrecting. In Has fact, happened? Has that happened yet in John's gospel? No. He's no. so front-loaded. That's not happening. No, it's this, again, exactly. Yeah. This is yet another example of the front loading that goes on in John's gospel. It's repeatedly going on in John's gospel. Things that happen later on in the other gospels get front loaded in John's. Indeed, just as the Father raises the dead and grants life, so also the Son grants life to those whom he wishes. In fact, it is not the Father who judges anyone. No. He has turned all judgment over to the Son. Oops. That's kind of elevated. Which John is writing this? You said it's in layers. Who the heck would write that? Well, any layer it's, <laughs> it's problematic for. Yeah. There are elements in this speech that seem to be very early, and there are elements that seem to be very late. Let's keep going. This is one of those that is just shocking. The idea that the Son 
the son judges. It's not the father, it's the son. I mean, it, he's already on thin ice with these Jews for ident identifying himself as not just God's son, but as making references to the father and a very close familial relationship. And that, that's straining credulity right there. And it's not, he's not ameliorating it, he's making it worse. In fact, it is not the Father who judges anyone. No, he has turned all judgment over to the Son. I thought it was the God's job to judge. Well, Jesus is saying now that's his job. God's delegated. <laughs> yeah, in an, in, in, ex exactly in verse 22. So that all men may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who refuses to honor the Son refuses to honor the Father who sent him. Bam! I mean, you can't get any more up front and in your face than that. In the NRSV, that reads a little differently, but it's essentially the same thing. So that all may, um, the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, so that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. That's a slap against who? The Pharisees who don't honor. He's saying the Pharisees, you're questioning me, I'm God. All right. Now pull it into the context of when John's gospel is being written. Who is that? Who is that a hit against in the 90s AD? The Jerusalem Church. Not the Jerusalem Church. The Jerusalem Church is they have recognized Jesus. <clears throat> They've accepted Jesus. Well, it would be whatever remnant of the Jewish exactly faith was diaspora Judaism outside of Israel, from which the Jewish Christians are being tossed out. Remember. By 90 AD, the, the church and the Jews have been expelled from Israel. They had been sort of living together, but in order to consolidate their position, solidify their community identity, the Jews essentially said, you can no longer have different sects of Judaism. You can only have one denomination, one sect. Hence, we're going to all be Pharisees now. No more Essenes, no more Zealots, no more Christians. No more Jesus people. So if you want to be a Jew, you've got to be a Jew, and you've got to stop being a Jesus Jew, a Christian. And if you refuse, out you go on your ear. And that's exactly what happened. And we see in Matthew's gospel, immediate, essentially immediately after the toss-out happened, there was a lot of ambivalence and anger and hatred towards the, the Jewish community and, and, it, and it, it bubbled over in that gospel. And there are references in the gospel to having been thrown out of the synagogues. Well, here, after only you know, a few years, another 15 to 20 years at most, later than Matthew's gospel, probably not even that, you've got that same attitude still in present where in Jesus' own words, the church is saying, those who refuse to honor Jesus are refusing to honor the Father, which is a slap. I mean, you may think you're worshiping Yahweh, but you're not. And, it, and he's going to get even more explicit in the next verses. 
I, verse 24, I solemnly assure you. I mean, that's pretty, you know, I'm very serious here. You know, this is not, I'm not joking around. I'm not pulling your leg. I'm not funning here. I solemnly assure you, the man who hears my word and has faith in him who sent me possesses eternal life. He does not come under condemnation. No, he has passed from death to life. Which, of course, leaves open the contrary, the, the, the contrapositive statement that the person who does not hear my word and does not have faith in him who sent me does not possess eternal life. Now, he doesn't say it, but it's implied. I solemnly assure you, verse 25, I solemnly assure you, an hour is coming and is now here. It's, it's not yet here, and yet it is here. The now and the not yet concept. An hour is coming and is now here, when the dead shall hear the voice of God's Son, and those who have listened shall live. <laughs> you know, to, to me, verse 25 seems to me you, you could find continuity with the, with the synoptics to oh, some extent. It's very much there. Absolutely. But, when, but the statement like the father judges no one but has given all judgment to the son. That and then you skip to this stuff which sounds just like Revelation. Mm -hmm. That seems to me to be the last layer or the top layer. You're identifying the, how a, a statement is made, a layer of interpretation is placed on it or underneath it to lay, lay groundwork forward. So you have the multiple layers of statement with the church's interpretation interleaved. That's what we've got here. That statement in 25 does scream synoptic. It sounds exactly like what you hear from there. <clears throat> Indeed, verse 26. Just as the Father possesses life in himself. All right, here we go. After having just said that about verse 25. Indeed, just as the Father possesses life in himself, so has he granted that the Son also possess life in himself. All right. That is both at the same time, a highly philosophical, if not a Greek concept, it is also very much a Jewish concept. God's name, Yahweh, means I am, I exist. I am and cannot not be. The very essence of my being is to exist. To not exist would not, could not possibly be even remotely thought of as being part of who I am. It's an ontological statement, a fundamental statement of God's nature as the source of all being. And that's endemic within the name Yahweh, which Jesus has already assumed for himself and will again in the other I am's. And here it's stated outright. Just as the Father possesses life in and of himself, to be a little more full with the grammar, so he has granted that the Son also possess life in and of 
himself. That is stating at probably the best example of where the Jews' earlier uh, discomfiture with him equating himself with God or making himself equal with God comes right out and just screams, dances a jig. Hey, hey, I'm God, I'm God, ha, ha. So basically they think he's full of himself. Well, they're going to. Full of God. Ha, ha. Where does the granite thing come from? And is the Greek really given it? Because that seems to be the read your, word. Read your translation. It says, the father is life in himself, so he has granted the son to have life in himself, like it was a gift or something. Mine says granted. he gave. Yeah, that is a gift. That's right. That's what I'm saying. He gave. And the yeah. Greek is gave. He so. gave. Yeah, mine so, says granted too. I'm Jesus saying that God gave me this gift. Well, what is a grant? A grant and is you a gift. And you gave nothing. Right, exactly. That's, I think it's an operative word there. It's huge. It's a statement that that which is God's, God's very nature, is now given to the Son as his very nature. Now, when that granting occurred, you can debate all you want. But it's a statement of fact, not necessarily of process. Go back Which to the first verse of John. In the beginning was the, the beginning Word. Was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into being through Him, yeah. through the Word. Hence, that idea of life and existence comes into being through Him. You can make the argument that, according to John, it occurred at the moment of creation, if not before. Because by the time of creation as we know it, by the time God says, let there be light. He was already I am. He was already I am. And, our, and, and it is through that word, let there be light, that Jesus functions. That Greek word game, is it close to beget? Uh, no. Why? No. Um, what well, does your translation have? No, I have gave and granted. Um, Granted is a formal translation of it. Gave would be a more of an informal rendering of the same word. But it's a very simple word that you know means uh, gave. You would say the same thing, I gave Richard my watch. No. Not that you begot the watch. No, I didn't beget this watch. I didn't make it or in any way, shape, or form produce it. I bought it, and then I turn around and give it. Well, it was the father's to give, and the father gives it to the son. Well, wouldn't that kind of not, you know, if there is a Yahweh, and there is. I was going to say. <laughs> All right. If there is a Yahweh, why would he choose to give something to this guy? If this guy is part of, of Yahweh. If, if I'm giving it to everyone, why am I giving it to this guy? Because this guy is also Yahweh. Exactly. <laughs> well, then I wouldn't need to give it to him, would I? Uh, well, yes and no. <laughs> yes who's, and no. Whose property is <laughs> it? He's not giving what he gave of Jesus to everybody. He's exactly. giving it to Jesus. That's privileged. Well, it's his son, damn it. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! Yes! Exactly! He's special, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you think? <clears throat> he is God. You're in the, you're in the midst of Trinitarian theology in 90 A.D. 
Don't let anybody tell you that's a late accretion to the church. The concepts of Trinitarian thought are endemic within yeah. Scripture, yeah. even as early as in the 50s. In Paul's writing, it's there. I'll never forget the number of times when Lee would be reading like through her. Paul's letter to the Romans, and he would say, that sounds like the Trinity. <laughs> Who was that mentioning? I just mentioned that. Uh, yeah. um, uh, perfect. <laughs> Let's keep going. Wrong. And uh, in, I'm going to pick it up again at 26. Indeed, just as the Father possesses life in himself, so has he granted that the Son also possess life in himself. And he has turned over to him power to pass judgment because he is Son of Man. Now stop right there. What? No, now, had it God said Son of God, son of God that would have been easy. But it says son of man. Peter. What my... Why does he use the... Because he is son of man. Now remember, this is all theology, okay? So let's just play with it. Maybe he had to give it to him because he also had man. Because he's human. Yeah. Well, he's, well. in that man suit. he's in that man's suit. Just as we have endemic within here the Trinity, we also have endemic within here the Christological proclamation that Jesus is fully God and fully human and whatever we mean by that. And we have it right here in this whole idea. He, was, he has turned over to him power to pass judgment. Now it would be logical and you expect it to say because he is son of God, but it says because he is son of man. Why? Is that important? Why is there a because there instead of even though he is the son of man? Because he is, it's the concept in Jewish theology of the kinsman redeemer. He is the one who is our kin, our close kin. He is our brother. He is one of us as well as being God. And because he is one of us, he is in a position to do for us that which somebody who is removed from us cannot. And, and there were in, in Jewish thought, Son of Man had nothing to do with being divine. No. I mean, in and of so itself, it's a basic concept for human. Son of Man is as a euphemism for a human being. So I, I think mm -hmm. he's harking back and obviously still desirous of capturing that concept of Son of Man. In this trying, trying to nail down the reality that this Jesus, while he is the Son of God, while he has all of this authority, while all things come into existence through him and without him not anything was made that was made, and all of this is true and proclaimed, and yet at the same time he is Son of Man. Which is a very synoptic affirmation of Jesus yet again. And that was well accepted by the Pharisees, no doubt. Oh, they hated it. Exactly. <laughs> you mean facetious, and they hated yes, it. But these folks who, who knew all this Jewish stuff, because that's what, where they came from, they, they, I mean, they needed that. They wanted that. They needed they, that. This was their bread and butter. Bring it all in. You know, we, we got it. You, know. you don't think this their is, heads they, were they spinning about that. now? No. This is their like bread it. and butter. Okay. This is their bread and butter. Who this is slapping are, quite frankly, those Jews who are outside the church who are saying of the church, they're not worshiping Yahweh. Well, yes, we are. You don't know this Yahweh, and that's getting ready to be said. Um, 
No need, no need for, uh, let's read the whole sentence. And he has turned over to him power to pass judgment because he is the son of man. No need for you to be surprised at this. For an hour is coming in which all those in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. Oh my goodness, they're talking about general resurrection at the last day. Those who have done what is right will rise to live. And those who have practiced what is wicked will rise to be judged, judged condemned. condemned, damned. Damned, yeah, damned. It might just be the resurrection of condemnation. So. Condemnation. Yeah, that's committed to evil. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Go on. Uh, those who committed evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Ace Anastasia, which Anastasia, Anastasia means resurrection. Chrysios, from Krima. Now, if it's eternal, ultimate. Greek adds kata onto the front of that word, so it comes out katakrisios or katakrima, katakrima. But if it's not eternal, if it's a temporary judgment, it's usually articulated with just the word krisios, which makes you wonder, is this end time affirmation, which it sounds like, or is it more of one that is happening now? Well, and it also reminds me of Paul uh, reassuring the Corinthians that they haven't missed it yet. Yes, exactly. Jesus didn't come last Tuesday and they missed him. That's the, precisely, that's the... <laughs> The, the end-time affirmation concept that we that seems to be here, at least in one level, at least in, in one sense, and at the same time, he ameliorates, John lessens the impact at the end of that line, condemned, judged, damned. Damned is a bad translation here. It, it, really, it really means judged or condemned. And there's a question left open as to whether or not it's an eternal one. Judged or condemned? Yeah. When you have to judge before you condemn? Judge, judgment and condemnation. A judgment of condemnation, yeah, you could say. But it's not so much... It, it, there's no certainty as to what kind it is, which is the hard part here. Look, and this authority has been given to Jesus. Verse, I get to decide. Huh? I get to decide. Right. It's my job. Well, he made the sacrifice. He That's right. He made uh, it. He's going to make the sacrifice. Exactly right. I cannot, verse 30, Look at, but look at this, verse 30. I cannot do anything by myself. I judge as I hear, and my judgment is honest. Decisions, discernment. Maturier. What does that one? What? I cannot do anything by myself. I determine or decide oh, okay. as I hear, and my determination is honest, true. Your mind says righteous. Righteous. Um, mine says just. Just. My judgment is just. 
Correct. Well, Yay, we score again. What? Just. That's NIV. Yeah. That's about three times in a row NIV has been right. Correct. Correct. Honest. Truthful. All of those words are synonyms here. Because, because I'm not seeking my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Yeah, that's where I would think that righteous turns on the phrase after that. Okay, yeah. Righteousness, the interpretation of that word is righteous, <clears throat> depends upon what follows. But it, 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 that is a really tough... It, it's, and, and the judgment, the correctness, the decision, it's crisis again. That's temporary, right? Is dik, and, and, and the word is dikai, and dikaiasune means righteousness. Dikai simply means that which is right. That which is correct, that which is true, that which is honest, that which is uh, trustworthy. Which is different from that which is just. Not that which is just is all of those things. Exactly, it's more and than just more, but it's all of those things. <sighs> okay, now remember, all of this is taking place in direct response to Jesus doing these miracles on the Sabbath day, and He's saying. You're ticked off at me, and yet I've been, been given the authority to do this. It's my job, and I'm not doing it of my own self. I'm doing what I'm seeing the Father doing. If, verse 31, if I am my own witness, my testimony cannot be verified. Huh? Huh? He can't vouch for himself. In, according to the Jewish law, you had to have a witness. You cannot, you cannot vouchsafe your own testimony. You had to have two, didn't you? Yeah. So that's why John the Baptist knew. You could be world. one and somebody else had to vouchsafe <laughs> for you, you. But you had to have two witnesses. Now what now? That's, that's why point. John the Baptist knew in the womb. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's, that's in Luke. <laughs> but, but, but it is. It's Greek, though. Yeah. Well, we're going to hit John the Baptist really, really, really hard here. Okay. But there is another who is testifying on my behalf. And the testimony that he gives for me, I know can be verified. You have, you have sent to John. That's John the Baptist. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I myself accept such human testimony. I simply mention these things for your salvation. He was the lamp set aflame and burning bright. And for a while, you yourselves willingly exalted in its light, his light. In other words, you liked him for a while. Y'all were going out there and having him baptize you. We just heard a couple of chapters ago that he said about me, there goes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's my testimony. He vouches safe for me. I'm not doing it myself. He is the one who is proclaiming me. Yet I have testimony even greater than John's. <gasps> greater than John's. Namely, the works the Father has given me to complete. Not my words, my deeds. These very works that I am doing testify on my behalf that the Father has sent me. 
If you're not going to believe John the Baptist, then look at what I do. Look at what I'm doing. And the Father who sent me has himself. Now, if John the Baptist isn't good enough and, and Jesus' works aren't good enough, let's try Yahweh for a child. <laughs> and the Father who sent me has himself given testimony on my behalf. His voice you have never heard. Ooh. Ow! Ooh, Jesus! Ow! That hurt! Don't do that! His voice you have never heard. He's talking... This is being stated now in the context of the, of, of the gospel. It, this is being said to the Jews who are standing around listening to him and, and complaining that you did all these healings and all these works on the Sabbath day. In the context of when John's gospel was written, this, this is hitting them Jews who had thrown the Christians out square between the eyes. I mean, they've been saying, you know, we're, we're trying to follow Yahweh as best we can by becoming one people and doing what we, we know we're supposed to do. We try to follow the law of Moses after all. We're trying to follow the word of God. You've never heard <laughs> Yahweh. You've never heard. Which Nor means have I you have. seen what he looks like. Which now, means I have. He's given the other, the other side of that. I have and I have heard him too. By, yeah. And you haven't. And there's a reason why. Man, because, man, and man. Look, at, look at their argument. It would be like you being in the sanctuary and suddenly you did some teleportation right in front of all of us where you showed up at both ends of the sanctuary. Or oh, apparated in and over. Yes. <laughs> and we all saw it and we went, but you did that in the sanctuary on Sunday. I splinched myself yeah. on half on one and half the other and then you say, how dare you do that on Sunday? <laughs> in the sanctuary. <laughs> the fact that you all earthly rules and cre created some incredible feat, but you did it on Sunday in the sanctuary. How dare you, yeah. sir? I, we would have been mad that Leo didn't take a picture. Oh, here, I got it. Because you did it on Sunday in the sanctuary. Call the district superintendent. Yeah. That's right. And the father who sent me has himself given testimony on my behalf. His voice you have never heard, nor have you seen what he looks like. And his word you do not have abiding in your hearts. Wham, wham, wham. Because you do not believe the one he sent. That's kind of circular. Of course it is. Oh, you think? <laughs> this Tautology. If, if God... If you believe God, then you, you believe, better believe me. That's right. If you don't believe me, then you don't believe exactly. God. Because God is the only one. What I, what I think is amazing here is that this is 60 years you know, after the fact in a, in a you know, different part of the world, and yet the writer of John seems to feel necessary to invoke John the Baptist. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and a, I've, I've got something even better than John here, you know, by the way. This reflects the fact that the John the Baptist communities still exist. They have a self-identity, even in the 90s, or at least the 80s, when many of the, much of this is probably crystallizing out in written form. They still existed with an identity, and they're a little bit hurt 
I mean, their, their guru got pushed aside. His baptism wasn't good enough. We have to be baptized in the name of Jesus now. Just knowing John's baptism isn't sufficient. Um, yes, he gets good billing in the synoptics. He gets to baptize Jesus. He didn't get to do it in John's gospel, but he does get to say, there comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There, there even, even this many decades later, there still seems to be a John the Baptist community within the church who, who are a little bit smarting over the issue and, and therefore their witness, the witness, their witness and their leader's witness is still being picked up and used to support Christ. That's a powerful historical connection that, that connects in some of this really tightly, I mean real tightly, into the experience of the early church. Bringing up John had authority. Even amongst non-Christians, John the Baptist was remembered and his word had authority. That's impressive. Indeed. Probably even more of this more than going on than what shows up in the synoptics. I mean, because it's they definitely needed to he gets knocked out of the way pretty quickly. He lasts a lot longer in John in terms of the echoing. Um, yeah, absolutely. He appears in the Acts of the Apostles by reference to the fact that he had disciples running around and only had his, his, his baptism and therefore needed to have his baptism finished off with Jesus' baptism and a bit. I mean, that, that's almost dismissive. Hmm. Let's keep going. You search the scriptures. I'm going to back it up and read that paragraph again. And the Father who sent me has himself given testimony on my behalf. His voice you have never heard, nor have you seen what he looks like. And his word you do not have abiding in your hearts. Because you do not believe, you do not exercise faith in the one he sent. You search the scriptures in which you think you have eternal life. They also testify on my behalf. Yet you are not willing to come to me to have that life. Huh. Those scriptures that are referenced there is of course what we know of as the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. Not not that I accept human praise. It is simply that I know you people, and in your hearts you do not possess the love of God. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I have come in my Father's name, yet you do not accept me. But let someone else come in his own name, and you will accept him. What does that mean? Well, there were plenty of messianic pretenders. There were several people who claimed to be the Messiah, especially during the rebellion against Rome. And those messianic pretenders came and they were them, themselves their own um, 
vouchsafers. They, they, they came and proclaimed themselves. They came in their own name and proclaimed themselves to be the Messiah. Jesus is saying, I had John the Baptist. I have my works. I have the Father. I have scripture. You're denying them all. And you would rather accept these pretenders than me. Again, he's still speaking to Jewish communities. And would the Bar Kokhba rebellion? Um, he he was a uh, a Jewish um, uh, revolutionary who proclaimed himself to be Messiah, and caused a great big stink uh, when he did. And he's an example of this. How can people like you believe when you accept praise from one another, but do not seek that glory? which is from the one God. Do not think that I shall be your accuser before the Father. The one to accuse you is Moses, on whom you have set your hopes. You're depending, this sounds Pauline, you're depending upon keeping the word of God, the law of God. Moses is going to be your accuser, not me. Your inability to do what Moses says to do is going to be your accuser, not me. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. This is, as I said, this is a slap against the then extant Jewish community. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, since it is about me that he wrote. But if you do not believe what he wrote, how can you believe what I say? Moses is another witness. Yeah, Moses is yet another. That's yeah, exactly. <coughs> Jesus has claimed all the territory. It's mine. If you don't, if you read Moses, you'd believe in me. Therefore, you don't really believe Moses. If you'd read the scriptures and understood them, you'd believe in me. So you never really even read all the scriptures. And if you'd listen to the Father, you would believe me. So you've never really listened to the Father. You don't know what he looks like. You don't know what he sounds like. If you'd listened to John the Baptist, you would, if, if you'd paid attention to my works, if you'd done all this, you would believe me. You've not done any of it. Instead, you're sitting there whining and complaining about me working on the Sabbath day. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, if you only believe two of those five or three of those five, you'd mm -hmm. probably believe him, wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd be doing pretty good. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking. I'm doing pretty good. I don't know any Christian. Well, I might, but I don't think I know any Christian who, depend, who, who who stakes their faith in Jesus Christ upon the testimony of John the Baptist. No. Even my Baptist friends don't do that. I mean, come on. Think about it. And yet, that would have been enough of a good start. Yeah. Especially when he says, there goes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know, and, and yet there's not statement in here in this that would convince a Jewish person who didn't already believe in Jesus. No. That exactly. This, this, That's, exactly. There is no reasoning in this. This is just all assertion. This is all an assertion. It, it's a synergistic assertion. It is saying, he is saying point blank, uh, you should believe in me because you've heard and seen me. And you've heard and seen me so you should believe in me. That's, a, that's <laughs> right. Thank you. And you know what? That works for Christians. Yeah. It works for people who are teetering on the very edge, even. 
who, who have heard the law of Moses and, and heard the interpretations and heard John the Baptist say, there goes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and has experienced or seen or heard about the healings of Jesus. And you're sitting there right on the edge, ready to jump off. That argument makes sense. But it's more than just an assertion. It's a, it's a lecture. You're missing the <laughs> yeah. point. Oh, yeah. It definitely that, That's the whole nature of these dialogues. You're missing the point. But if some joker come up to any of us today and said, I'm God and I'm this and I'm this and you should believe because of this, I'm sorry, we're all going to stand there and say, yeah, okay. Last time I was in Los Angeles, this guy, I was at Berkeley, and this guy comes up to me <laughs> and, and he says, I'm Jesus! <laughs> and he had ID. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm, it's it's. I'm only partly joking. I mean, there there are people who make those kinds of claims. And Berkeley is the perfect place for them. That's right. But but should stay there. The, he, Jesus had a heck of a lot more yeah. behind him. But than if you don't already some wackadoodle believe, on the street. No, you're that, not that, gonna, that's not going to be convinced. That, that's that's my point. point is, is yeah, that this is point. part of a sermon that was delivered inside a Christian church. Mm -hmm. yeah, this was this was not anything you would say to a Jewish person because they would any more than, than I could say to you the Quran is perfect and therefore <laughs> Islam is the religion. You just look at me and like, huh? You know, it doesn't make any sense because you aren't already. Yeah, if you're not already a believer, yeah. that's not going to. Or you. or primed to be a believer. Well, right. Mm -hmm. Now I would agree with you. This is written for us, for the church. That, that's a fact. And yet it's still a statement to, actually it's more of a statement about the Jewish yeah, community. It's a straw man. They've kind of, you know, you're arguing against someone who isn't there. You know, that's the way I More or less, yeah. Yeah, you're on it, yeah. Or you're arguing against those who threw out your friends. Yeah, well, I mean, these arguments were, were made, you know, at, at times, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, they were part of the, the development of the church, but, but, but. The way they're stated, their their apologies, their their statements that were were persuasive to those who are already exactly who are already in the community, yeah. and served as substantiation for their continued faith and action, um, and yet they're cast back into Jesus's lips in a very interesting context of direct conflict, and there are elements in there that do come from that conflict, just as there are in the synoptics. Some strong elements. There are a lot of debates as to what comes next. Well, I thought that chapter six comes next. It does in my book. It does in Well, there are theories by lots of scholars that, in fact, it doesn't come next, and that, and, and there's a reason for that. Where is Jesus in chapter five? In Galilee. He's in Jerusalem. He is still in Jerusalem. And then suddenly, he's apparated himself or beamed himself up to the Sea of Galilee. Interesting. He was. Well, yeah, one went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Mm -hmm. Other side. Other side of the Sea Across of Galilee. Okay. Well, in four, though, he was going to Galilee, right? Well, okay. In four, 
He's he's um, playing with he can he comes up he makes his trip up to Galilee, then he turns around and goes back to Jerusalem, and now he's back up in Galilee again. There are partition theories. There are theories among scholars which want to swap in sequence six and five. Mm -hmm. That would make sense because of when he says, you've seen what I've done. Mm -hmm. Those and works. What, and, that, and six con contains that. So there, there are some people who say that if you take chapter five out and jump straight to chapter six, it works geographically. Now, there are lots of arguments to be made in favor of that. There are some scholars who just love to move chapters around. They get their really big jollies on moving <laughs> chapters around. Um, Except Jesus was going about in Galilee <coughs> at the beginning of chapter 7. Yep, he's, so it's just, he's going. Not solving anything. Well, you are and you are. On that end. Yeah, that's the problem. You, you solve it on one end, but not on the other. All right. So, but we have it in the canonical order that we have it in. We've read chapter 5. And so now it's time to pick up on chapter 6. listening to a Bible study by Dr. Gregory Neal, Senior Pastor of St. Stephen United Methodist Church and Rector of Grace Incarnate Ministries. Copyright 2010 by Dr. Gregory S. Neal. All rights reserved. For more information or to listen to other seminars, Bible studies, or sermons by Dr. Gregory Neal, visit us on the web at www.revneal.org. That's www.revneal.org. You are also invited to visit us in person at St. Stephen United Methodist Church, 2520 Oates Drive, Mesquite, Texas, 75150. This program was produced by Dr. Greg Neal.